0: Anybody that goes up for adoption, there's a reason behind it. My biggest fear was that everything was going so well, it may not turn out to be the story that I really wanted. Hearing each other's voices for the first time after 40 years, it's it's kind of life-changing.
1: I met Jason five years ago when I was working with a volunteer group that helps adoptees find their birth families using DNA testing websites and connecting matches through genetic genealogy. As soon as I started talking to him, I knew I wanted to do everything that I could to help him find the answers he was looking for. He was very hopeful, open, and really optimistic. He's the kind of guy you feel like you've known your whole life after talking to him for five minutes. He had grown up in a family with two siblings who were the biological children of his adopted parents. He originally took a DNA test to get medical insight after a health scare, but in the end he gained so much more. We worked together and within a few months we had found his maternal family. On Christmas Eve of that year, I got a package in the mail. As a token of his appreciation for the work I had done for him, Jason had sent me a necklace with a silver charm of Texas with a heart in the middle. He told me I'd always have a brother in Texas. That gives you a little insight into who Jason is. He's warm and he's genuine. I've worn that necklace when I was really stuck doing an adoptee's family tree and it's the craziest thing. It's like a good luck charm. I've solved adoption mysteries I was stuck on for months while I was wearing it. This situation wasn't without surprises though and the biggest one was that they were actually looking for him too. Jason gained a huge family overnight and it can be overwhelming to meet so many new people and try to figure out how to fit them into your life. Here's my interview with Jason. So you were adopted from birth, correct?
0: Correct. A few days after I was given up for adoption, or excuse me, after I was born, uh, I was given up for adoption. I think it was the, you know, the next day, and then I was in the hospital. So my adopted family came around, and I was adopted within a week.
1: And how did you find out that you were adopted?
0: When I was younger, I have a very dark skin tone, Uh, and my adopted brother and sister, uh, they were very light-skinned, so I had an idea that, you know, I was not part of the family birth-wise, you know, blood-wise, so I figured out that I was probably adopted, and then I was given a clear answer probably in, I'd say, the third grade uh, that I was, you know, an adopted kid, but that was a hard thing to figure out on my own
1: and then kind of ask the questions when i was old enough and your brother and sister were not adopted correct
0: correct my adopted brother and my adopted sister they were both uh younger than me i was actually my parents my adopted parents first kid and then they had my brother next and then my sister was the youngest
1: so what made you want to find your birth family and why was it important at that time for you to start that search
0: well, I am now 48. So when I started the search, I was 40, 43, 44. And I had, I'm an alcoholic, but I've been sober nine years now. So I was more interested in learning about my health uh, and where I came from. So finding my family was kind of a second priority over, you know, health and, you know, things that ran in per se. So I ended up getting a DNA kit, and I started the search in my adulthood, I guess, uh, after I was sober and wanting to learn about my health. And then again, the second priority was to find my family, which I did.
1: Well, first of all, that's amazing that you're nine years sober. Congratulations. That's really Thank, cool. you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I can totally understand that. You want to see, you know, what other health issues are in your family right. a lot of people start out that way that yeah, you know, and then finding their family is something that they just happen to come upon Correct.
0: <laughs> and it was so funny because I had waited you know up until that point to basically look for my family to where I was like well I'm already an adult eh, is it a priority right now nah, not really but then once I started getting the DNA matching things like that then it started going hmm, maybe I should start making this a priority. So they were both health and finding my family uh, top priorities after I did the test. And I was very nervous mm-hmm. about doing the test. So I was very nervous about what the outcome may be, and, you know, I just rolled with it. So,
1: Well, did your adoptive parents provide you with any information to kind of help you know who your parents were or anything when you were growing up? Um,
0: They did not, and it's crazy because when I – I was still drinking at the time, so I was in my 30s, and I did think at a point, and I I was probably drunk, that I wanted to find my birth parents, and I found out in the county that I was born in, it was a closed case, so there was no opening those files unless you had, you know, X amount of dollars going through the court system, and back then, I was drinking, and I had no money, no money, no extra money to be spending on this, so that's where I kind of at a dead end and I really didn't pursue it any further so to answer your question if my adopted family had any if they were helping me in any way they really didn't there were just bits and pieces of I guess maybe hints of who I was and who I came from Mm -hmm. Um, I remember one time my adopted dad said I think your name should have been Toby and I was like, Toby. That doesn't that doesn't sound like like my what I should be named, especially with my dark skin complexion. You know, Hispanic. Um, so years go on, and my I told my dad this again, my adopted dad, and he said, No, I meant to say Antonio, like Antonio. Hmm. And I was like, Oh, so then, you know, thinking Antonio. Well, maybe my dad's name was Antonio. So you know, with the search and things that we're going to probably talk about, you know, here in a little bit, you know, I was looking for an Antonio, Mm -hmm. uh, as my dad, my birth dad. So, but I didn't get any help to be honest from them. It was all just the DNA stuff that led me to that point. I was looking for him.
1: So how, how did you go about finding your birth family? I mean, I know some of it.
0: (laughs) Right. Of course. Um, so I did the test. Um, and again, the first priority was to do the, uh, health stuff. So that came back uh, with a lot of knowledge that, DNA stuff's no joke Um, it's pretty serious (laughs) and pretty knowledgeable and so then
1: I the non-tech savvy guy
0: started going through the website and I think it was 23andMe the first DNA test that I took and I started piecing names together dates together I was I was a lost guy Uh Um, I couldn't figure it out Um, and I don't know what I was doing and maybe it was because you know, Facebook figures out, oh, you're searching for this. Let me let me lead you, you know, to these ads or these groups <laughs> or whatever. And uh, they're always listening. So mm-hmm. my, I guess my phone led me to this volunteer group to where I could, and I believe if I was interested in kind of like a private investigator that oh. needed help, uh, that I needed help with uh, 24-7, they would jump on the case right away. I had to shell out X amount of dollars, I think. Or I can wait three to four weeks, and then I would have something free, and I said, you know what, I've been waiting, you know, over 40 years already, I might as well just wait a little bit longer, and that's when you
1: popped up. Yeah, so I was working for a group that people uh, would volunteer to help figure out who your birth parents were using the DNA matching through various websites, and that is how we met.
0: And then I think when I did the first DNA test, you said, well, you would probably need to take the second test, which was Ancestry. And so I did that. Mm-hmm. And then you and then I remember you saying, okay, give me your username and passwords. Let's do this.
1: Yeah. It didn't take very long. I mean, what was that? About a month or two. Yeah. So we did end up finding your family, uh, your mother's birth mother's family pretty quickly. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And I believe that was her, was it her sister?
0: It was. So are you talking about the lady that messaged me personally? Yes. Okay. So then uh, I remember this vividly. I was at the golf course um, at the little restaurant bar and we were going to do a fantasy football draft. And I had this lady message me and she said, Hey, you don't know me Long story short, you don't know who I am, but I think I have a lady that's looking for you. And I did not know at the time, but that was my sister. Okay. And then the lady that was looking for me, obviously, was my mom. So they had actually been looking for me for a long time.
1: Yeah, I remember that. be told. That was amazing. Yeah. It's funny how you remember exactly where you were at the exact time, because I'm the same exact way. Like, I remember... When I figured out who my dad's father was, where I was at, what it felt like, and I mean that was almost ten years ago, you know, it's it's, it just makes such an impact on you when you finally like make that connection. Yeah. So, who was the first person from your birth family that you spoke with? Was it that same sister?
0: It was the same sister, correct? Mm -hmm. She was going back and forth uh, with me on Facebook Messenger because we didn't have any you know personal information back then and i guess i was found through she was doing her own little private investigation i guess she was doing her little things trying to look for dates and where i was born and maybe a name uh, would pop up and she was she was looking for me
1: <laughs> she was so, a detective
0: <laughs> yeah uh, but she ended up messaging me and the little profile picture it was only a flower so i really didn't know who this person was and what they looked like but she would be the first person that contacted me back then
1: and how long after that did you speak with your mother
0: that was within days you know i was so nervous she said that she would have this lady call and she said it's probably your mother you know i lost it at you know the golf course but when i started talking to her you know, hearing each other's voices for the first time after 40 years, it's its kind of life-changing. And she started crying, you know, right away.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. Oh, so so how, how long after you found them did you meet them in person? What I think that's what, about like a seven-hour drive, you said, for you? It is. From okay. Dallas
0: to Corpus Christi is about seven hours. They had made a plan to have my sister there in, got in contact with me. Um, one of my oldest sisters, one of their husbands and my mother, they had planned to come up here one weekend. I was excited, you know, get everything planned, but then very nervous at the same time. Uh, but they were willing to make the seven hour drive up to Dallas.
1: No pressure.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Everything worked out, so.
1: Like, right before you were ready to meet them, were you just feeling, like, really nervous, really excited, like, just anxious, just to see Uh, them finally?
0: I think my biggest fear was that everything was going so well, communication-wise, that it may not turn out to be the story that I really wanted. You know, adoptions are, I mean, anybody that goes up for adoption, there's a reason behind it. Right. Uh, whether it's good, whether it's bad. So with the communication going on and me not really poking and prodding for questions just yet, I was kind of nervous that you know it wouldn't turn out to be the story that it really did turn out to be, uh, which was a great one. So I was very nervous upon their arrival.
1: What, what was the meeting like when you met your birth mother for the very first time and your sisters?
0: So I live in a complex uh, townhomes, and I remember that... I kept calling them or texting them as they were driving up, you know, where are you? You're passing Austin, you're passing Waco, hour out of Dallas. Uh, so I said, you're going to text me when you get to, you know, this exit, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm going to be, you know, my heart's going to be racing now. Uh, so I told them, hey, meet me out front of this complex. And I gave them the address and park there and I'll lead you in. Well, I thought I was just going to have them park and then me drive up and then, then follow me. But... They were already parked. I got out of the car and everybody came out of their truck. Hugs went all around. My mom started crying. I started crying. My sisters were like, you know, overjoyed. My brother-in-law, same way. It It was a happy moment and very welcoming on their part.
1: Was there anything like when you were with them that you noticed in yourself, like, Talents or mannerisms, where you like, wow, that's exactly the same thing I do? Or,
0: um, me, not necessarily, but after talking to my sisters, uh, over that weekend, they were mentioning how I have some of the same antics and um, things that they do or say. So it's kind of weird, you oh, know, cool. being so far away for so many years that I would, you know, portray some of their same things that they do or they say I know that I have I don't know what you call it in between your eyebrows to where if you squint you have like a little it looks like you're you're kind of mean I (laughs) guess not a wrinkle but there's a term for it anyways I think that my mom has the same thing I know that our cheeks are very similar it's it's just very crazy to see that stuff when you knew that somebody after you figured out you know somebody was so far away that you knew somebody kind of kind of acted like you, spoke like you. I don't know, it's just kind of weird.
1: What were you feeling after the first time you met them? Were you just, like, excited to start this chapter with them?
0: I was, so I had kind of things prepared that we were going to do. I just wanted to let them know. I know that she, she was very devastated the day she gave me up for adoption. She felt grief. She felt a loss, per se she she knew she made the wrong decision after a while and again it was a close case so after being after feeling this pain that she felt for 40 something years i personally wanted to make the first impression on her the best ever so i went out of my way to you know figure out things to do i just wanted everything to go perfect if that kind of makes sense yeah because i knew that even though i was nervous i'm sure she was more nervous because she was To be honest she was the reason that i was we were meeting for the first time you know i was giving her adoption so i knew i knew she felt the pain but i didn't want her to feel any more pain because of that situation Uh, i wanted to make it as easy as possible in our first you know interaction when they were up here
1: i i get what you're saying like you didn't want her to think you were like holding anything against her and you just wanted her to know that it was gonna be a happy thing from then on. So, you got several sisters, and was there a couple brothers in there too? I think
0: so. Uh, there's seven of us siblings. Wow, yeah. So, I was the only one given up for adoption, I was the middle child, which made things in my mind very strange. Why was I in the middle? Why was I the only one given up for adoption? You know, what happened? And I did not, I love my mom so much, so I didn't want to poke and prod with questions. Why did, why did this not happen? Why did this happen? You know, what was the reasoning, this and that? Because I knew she still felt that pain, even though she didn't speak it, mm-hmm. I knew she felt it. Yeah. Um, so one day she was ready. She said, hey, I'm ready for you to ask me anything. And so I asked her and then she told me, she told me the reason. And I, I knew that she told me uh, back then, and I knew that we were going to do this interview, so I kind of wanted to get the story straight. So I did, honestly, um, because we're both adults, so I wanted to ask her one more time, uh, even though I knew that bringing up bad memories may trigger some, some type of feeling. Yeah. So I asked her again just to make sure, and I, I figured out the reason why I was given up for adoption. We're, we're not going to speak about my dad because he was never in the picture. That was because he ended up going out one night and bad things happened and it wasn't a great turnout. And when he ended up coming home, that was it. That was done. My mom and dad, they split up. And that was, I think, in November. And I was born in January. So the decision for me to be given up for adoption, because I'm sure she did not want any resemblance she didn't want anything to do with him i was given up for adoption so i was in the middle she regretted it days later the wrong decision was made
1: so you're still in touch with your family how often do you speak to them like is it a daily thing i mean is it just like it's has been like that
0: um yeah so i try to call my mom at least once a week we text we interact on facebook uh, my sisters my brothers we interact on facebook as well we have a group chat that we'll you know, send messages through every once in a while. They know that whenever we have bad weather up here, like the ice storm back in February last year, that they were worried about me. And so uh, that group chat, you know, we'll we'll speak to each other there and we'll express concern. We'll say, you know, happy Mother's Day or Father's Day and stuff like that. We chat a lot. It's, it's, a, it's a good feeling to know that they're so open, they're welcoming, if that makes sense, and that I'm not that outcast that they can't, talk to you if that makes sense
1: yeah um, i mean it sounds like they include you just like one of the siblings there's no correct there's nothing strange to them about it at all you're just correct. In, Yeah,
0: and it was very crazy because after they came up here to dallas we had planned prior to covid My family down there, my aunts, they planned to get a reunion of sorts for my mom's family. So I had planned to go down there in June, I believe, June or July of that year. And you talk about a nervous wreck. I (laughs) thought, you know, they were nervous coming up here, but I was going down there to meet the whole family. Um, And that wasn't even the whole family. So I probably met 100, 150 people a lot. (laughs) In this reunion? A lot. So uh we all wore name tags. Um I think that everybody kinda knew who I was, uh, but I was meeting a lot of them for the very first time, including my brothers and I didn't even meet one of my brothers or one of my sisters at that point because they were uh one was in Colorado so they weren't able to come out here to that reunion. So I was still in a dark in the dark with them, you know, on a personal level, uh, interaction wise. But I was nervous going down there for that reunion.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. So, but, but
0: it's it's good because we we interact like we're brother and sisters, and they tell me you know how things were back in the day when they were kids. Um, so they weren't afraid to let me know and to include me. Like they were just giving me information about how they grew up, and it's funny because they thought that. I was living in Beverly Hills somewhere when, in reality, Uh I was just in Dallas. Uh, I was born in 75, in Corpus Christi. After five years, my adopted dad got transferred to New Orleans. So I lived there in New Orleans until 1984, and then he got transferred to Dallas. So in those three cities, you know, being adopted, you never know if you run into any family members, uh, whether it's aunts, uncles, or even siblings along that path. I did go back through my sister's pictures and I found out that during the Cowboys season, probably three years after everything kind of came together, that one of my sisters was in the same building and my other sister was in the same building as well that season. So we did cross paths and, you know, although that stadium holds a hundred thousand people, we were in the same building at the same time. So during your adoption after so many years that you think it's impossible that you may run into them, it was pretty crazy that two of my sisters were in the same building that I was and that we had no clue.
1: Yeah, that that's actually really crazy. We kind of backed off on the whole like trying to find your birth father. We hit some roadblocks with different family trees and you weren't able to get much information from your birth mother. You kind of touched on it and I know sometimes people that are adopted when they meet their birth mother and she had a difficult relationship with the birth father, they don't want to bring it up to them and they don't want to find the birth father because they don't want it to be traumatic for her. Like, Correct. did you feel that or were you just so overwhelmed by the family you had already found?
0: So I didn't want to upset her any more than she may have been upset already. I know that obviously I come from my father, so those questions may be asked down the road. But to bring that up now and to know that, you know, the number one priority was health. And now it is completely my mom and my family, my siblings aunts, uncles, cousins, finding my dad, um, you know, it's, it's, it's still a, it's still something I may do.
1: Um, Curious, but
0: yeah, but you know, not to upset my mom anymore. I just kind of, kind of just kind of dropped it, I guess. I think everything plays out for a reason. And if I do end up finding him somehow, then I do. But I don't want to upset her any more than she already, had, she already was upset because, you know, it's traumatic to, you know, not lose a child, but to give one up and then not be able to know anything for 40 something years.
1: Yeah. I mean, she wasn't even able to write you a letter because it was a closed adoption. So she couldn't mm-hmm. even have any contact with you at all. I mean, that had to be really difficult for her. Right. But she has you now. Yeah, absolutely. And it's,
0: it's, it is awesome. She, she actually back then was an alcoholic, drug addict. And I heard from my brothers and sisters that it was very often that the lights would go, electricity would go out, the bills weren't being paid, uh, no food on the table, because maybe the the addiction, and maybe that's where I got my addiction from. But that was back in the 70s and 80s. And now she has a church with her new husband so she completely changed her life around Wow! so yeah I mean to go from all that you know mid to late 70s early 80s to where we're at now in 2023 to have a church down in South Texas um, you know have a, a great community that comes there every Wednesday every Sunday that's awesome so I love her so much for that and you know I couldn't be more proud
1: are you religious at all
0: I am yeah, I am yeah. so I talk to the guy up above every single day before I leave the apartment. I talk to him every day and I thank him not only for waking up today, that day or the things that went on the day before or the week before. But I also ask, I also thank him for the things that have gone years ago to where I was able to find my mom. I was able to let her know, Hey, I was good. Giving, giving me up for adoption was a tough deal, but God, up above, he had plans. Maybe I was down there, and if I would have stayed in Corpus, maybe there might have been an accident. So maybe he said, you know what? We need to get him into adoption, or however he does his magic, and set me up for adoption, and I would be out of their lives for 40 years, but that would save my life down the road because I wasn't down there involved in an accident that was planned, you know, however the case is. Um, So I talked to him about, how he makes we make light decisions but the decisions of us getting stopped at a red light that could be because he up above said hey if you were going to keep going there could have been a car accident you were involved in down the road i don't know i talked to you know the guy above every single day and i thank him for everything that i have and for everything that i've found uh, with my family
1: Well, that's amazing that you can look at it in that way. it's a different perspective on adoption than I've ever heard. Yeah. But that's really good. I mean, it makes you feel like it's not a negative thing, you know? When we went through your DNA results initially, we were kind of thrown off because it said you were like 50% Native American. And after putting together some matches and just going through that whole process of building the family tree... With the combination of all your ethnicities it added up to you being of mexican descent so i actually went on ancestry today and they have it listed now as indigenous americas with a subcategory of mexico but that kind of threw us off for a minute there did you have any suspicion that you were mexican specifically
0: yes and no you know my adopted family they were partially mexican to eat the Mexican food all the time, uh, not necessarily speak Spanish all the time, but my adopted parents knowing it, that I think I was Mexican, I kind of just, as a kid, kind of just fell as a default of a guess. Because I wasn't very informational back then with the different ethnicities to where I knew a percentage or, you know, things like that. But I figured that I might be Mexican, especially with my skin
1: tone. So you didn't really have any of that, like, culture in your home? We'd go visit my
0: adopted parents. Uh, my mom's side uh, on her on their ranches out in South Texas. It was all Spanish, all Mexican tradition. So to do that at different day, at different dates throughout the year down there definitely. Up here in Dallas not necessarily in the home.
1: Do you speak Spanish?
0: So I was in Corpus Christi as a kid. I moved to New Orleans in 80, 1980 and my neighborhood was predominantly african-american so i had one white friend and there were no mexicans out there in my neighborhood so spanish wasn't really a need i guess in that area especially in school so i didn't learn it there and then moving to dallas uh suburb north of here uh north of dallas and Charlton, back in the 80 back in 1984 It was predominantly white people, so there was no reason to speak Spanish outside of the home. So I guess my adopted parents really didn't push it. I had to learn Spanish, honestly, in the restaurant business. So it's not fluent. I can understand it more than I can speak it. But Spanish was never the highest priority.
1: So did your birth mother's family uh, speak Spanish, and do they celebrate traditions that are like in line with that culture?
0: Oh, my mother, absolutely. They all speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. My mom is actually very fluent in English. Her new husband. his English is pretty good, but it's all Spanish down there. and the whole all the culture is celebrated down there. So my birth mother definitely.
1: okay. How has your life changed now that you have all these people in your life? It's just,
0: I'm not so, how do I say this? It's not an empty feeling. You go through life and you think, I always have my mom to fall back on, my dad to fall back on, my brothers and sisters or, you know, whatever the case is. But for a long time, I didn't speak really to my adopted brother or sister. Again, my mom passed away several, several years ago, my adopted mom. And then my adopted dad, you know, we kind of lost connection. I still love him, everything he's done, but we lost connection. So I think that it's just changed to where I don't feel as empty because let's say 10 years ago, I had really no back, nobody to fall back on. I considered my friends my family for a long time growing up. That was my solid family. But now to have my family in the picture most of them, that's what I'm most proud of. And it's a good feeling.
1: So is there anything that you would tell other people who are starting the journey of seeking out their birth families?
0: It's crazy you say that because I'm in the restaurant business. I've been doing it for 30 years almost. And I did have, and it's been about a year now, I did have a couple that I started waiting on. They were older. They were about. They were in their 50s. They were older than I was. And they would come in for lunch and one time they came in with a little black girl and they were white and so i didn't make anything of it but i can probably put two and two together the next time they came in you know i asked them i said hey did you, are y'all you did y'all adopt anybody and he said yes <laughs> you know we adopted her you know at a, she was a little bit older but we adopted her for whatever the situation was and so they told me that that's when i told them about my adoption So to answer your question, they had questions for me. Hey, do you have any pointers? Because we know that she's going to start asking where she comes from, who she comes from. And so I said, you're just going to have to kind of let it play out. Whenever they're ready, they're going to be ready. And when I was ready, it was because of my health. And it just so happened to where the finding the family was a secondary. So if somebody is kind of looking or wondering where they come from, 2023 with these DNA kits, they do wonders. You can find find a lot of people through that. Just be open-minded when you're doing things because not every adoption in the end turns out great. A lot of it turns out negative to where maybe the adoption, um, maybe the birth families gave you up adoption for a reason, to not want to find you or have them found So go in there with an open mind, uh, whenever you're doing this process and then just love every moment, you know, whether it's good or bad, because it's going to be truth be told. It's going to be, it's going to be exactly the layout it's it's supposed to be. You were adopted and you're looking for your birth family. And if you find them, then the story could be good. Story could be bad. Open-minded.
1: Yeah. That's, that's key for sure.
0: I think it's a neat story. Uh, Anytime that I'm able to tell it, people say, wow, thank you for telling me this. It's a great story.
1: It has a happy ending. That's the important part.
0: It really is. And this one turned out great. You know, I couldn't be happier. I know we're older. So if it was to where I was finding my family in my 20s and my 30s, I would have more time because not everybody's promised tomorrow. Uh, We are getting older. Um, My mom is in her 70s. So to find her maybe at an earlier age, I would have wished. But everything, again, works out for a reason.
1: Well, I'll just say thank you for letting me do the interview.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: someone in your family has been touched by adoption and would like to speak about it, please email me at whathappensafterpodcast at gmail.com. Also, please check out the Instagram for the show to see pictures of my guests that they were so kind to share from the reunions. Next episode, I'll be interviewing Christine, who didn't receive the same reception from her birth mother as Jason did, but her story was definitely not over. Listen next time to find out what happens after. Thank you for listening.